For many of us, life has changed this year. Perhaps you arrive here tonight with experiences of sadness, with difficult memories, or in the midst of loss of some kind. Even if we were not guided to this place tonight by a miraculous star, something has drawn us here on this holy night. Let us take a moment to stand in the stillness, to gaze on the manger scene. Whatever brings you here tonight, we hope that you will experience God's love as we celebrate this Christmas Mass and the birth of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. It took me a few years of living in a cramped basement apartment five blocks from Sing Sing Prison while working full-time as an engineer, but I was finally out of debt. It was time to move to a nicer place and start replacing my furniture that I had used since leaving the dorms. And I guess my furniture was pretty bad because when I called the St. Vincent de Paul Society and they came to pick it up, they refused to take it. (laughs) Maybe that was a sign I was called to be a priest. It was time to buy a nativity set, too. As I explained to my friends at work, I didn't want something fancy. I just wanted a nativity set that was either ethnically accurate or ethnically ambiguous. Apparently, this conversation that I had was the first time that one of my colleagues, a well-educated, 50-ish Christian, realized that Jesus of Nazareth was Middle Eastern and that Mary probably didn't have blonde hair. How can it be that we miss such basic details of the most famous event in the history of the world? As early as the 5th century, the Basilica of St. Mary Major in Rome included an oratory shaped like the cave in Bethlehem where Jesus is said to have been born. And the popular mystery plays of the Middle Ages had included stories of Jesus' birth with live animals and people dressed up as shepherds and magi. But it was not until the year 1223, when St. Francis of Assisi was inspired to create a living manger scene, that nativity sets became popular. Now, there is nothing wrong with nativity figures that make Mary, Joseph, the shepherds, and the stable itself look neat and clean. The beauty of these sets reflects the reverence people have for the Christmas story. But we've strayed away from the purpose of that original living manger scene of the year 1223. St. Francis had wanted to emphasize the humble circumstances in which Jesus was born. God decided that Mary was the perfect vessel through whom he would be born into our world. Now, if we think about this in a certain light, it can leave us scratching our heads. God's perfect plan for salvation was to be born in a precarious situation to an unwed mother, to her bewildered fiancé, in circumstances that prompted the Holy Family to become refugees, running in fear for their lives. Mary and Joseph probably felt as if they were starting their life as parents as complete failures. 
despite the best attempts of Madison Avenue and TV specials, Christmas is not a time to celebrate the extraordinary circumstances of Jesus' birth, but to celebrate how ordinary the circumstances were. God knows our pain. God knows our suffering. God knows that sometimes circumstances are beyond our control, and it seems as if things are happening at the worst possible moment. Many of us gathered here tonight are going through moments of darkness. We've made mistakes. We grieve. We feel alone. And it is unto us that the angels announce their good news? An infant wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger? His name is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. No matter the pain we feel, no matter the losses we experience, we are not alone. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. God is with us. In a speech three days ago, Pope Francis encouraged Vatican bureaucrats to keep working hard despite his pointed criticism of how that very bureaucracy works. How would you like your boss speaking to you that way? Francis ended his speech by sharing this quotation of the late Bishop Ken Untner of Saginaw, Michigan. Every now and then, it helps us to take a step back and to see things from a distance. The kingdom is not only beyond our efforts, it is also beyond our visions. In our lives, we manage to achieve only a small part of the marvelous plan that is God's work. Nothing that we do is complete, which is to say that the kingdom is greater than ourselves. No statement says everything that can be said. No prayer completely expresses the faith. No creed brings perfection. No pastoral visit solves every problem. No program fully accomplishes the mission of the church. No goal or purpose ever reaches completion. This is what it is about. We plant seeds that one day will grow. We water seeds already planted, knowing that others will watch over them. We lay the foundations of something that will develop. We add the yeast which will multiply our possibilities. We cannot do everything, yet it is liberating to begin. This gives us the strength to do something and to do it well. It may remain incomplete, but it is a beginning, a step along the way. It is an opportunity for the grace of God to enter and to do the rest. It may be that we will never see its completion. But that is the difference between the master and the laborer. We are laborers, not master builders, servants, not the Messiah. We are prophets of a future that does not belong to us. We can't save the world, but we don't have to. 
by being born into our world, Jesus Christ has already guaranteed the future of creation. This Christmas, let us allow God's grace to enter us, and let us allow God's grace to do the work. Our job as disciples is simply to trust that in everything we do, God is with us.